Good morning, everybody. I'm Steve. Good to see you. If you would, let's stand. We're going to worship God together.
you've given us this family. You've allowed us to be a part of this kingdom. We want to thank you so much for Jesus Christ, the one who's given us entrance into this. Let us know you as we do. God, thank you so much for giving us value and worth, for setting us something that we could do on our own. We thank you so much for the example of a perfect Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Would you guys have a seat? Let's pray together. Father, it's such an honor to be called into your presence by you. It's an amazing thing that you want to do life with us. We trust that you're here, and we pray that we will be receptive to any of your nudges. And we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Glad you're here, guys. For those of you who are connecting online, we're glad you're connecting with us as well. If you're new here to Capital City, let me kind of explain what we're doing. I mean, the most important decision that any person is ever going to make in their life is, is there a God? And am I going to do life with Him? Am I going to live like that matters? And that decision is going to require a leap of faith, whichever choice you make. I cannot prove to you that there is a God. You cannot prove to me that there is not. So which makes the most sense? We don't think it's even. We believe that God makes way more sense of life, way more. So we're kind of diving into the evidences, powerful evidences for God, and we're going to keep unpacking them all the way through Easter. The apostle Peter said this. He said, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. I hope you do. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, be ready to explain it. Can you? explain why you are a Jesus follower. We're going to try to help. So here we go again. 
now. Jesus tells us to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, care for the sick, visit those in prison, and that kind of stuff is all over the Bible, right? Take care of the widows, take care of fatherless kids, take care of the marginal, the poor, especially those who are that way through no fault of their own. So we try. We've got these generous buckets all around this room on our worship stations. They're not for our normal offerings. As Jesus followers, we give our first part back to God. That's what those little black boxes are for. Those white generous buckets are for an extra dollar or two if you choose. And every penny that goes in them goes to take care of people who are hurting somehow. Food, clothes, unexpected bills like those that might come if someone gets sick or dies. Believe it or not, we raise about $50,000 a year through those generous buckets just to love unbroken people. Is that cool? It is. That's just one piece. This church family probably donates more food to the community food pantry than likely in any other group in town. We have a giving wall at Christmas where we donate all kinds of stuff for kids in our schools and to help other organizations that are trying to take care of people in trouble. Through the years, I think, we've been the biggest supporter of Avenues for Women, which exists to help girls in our town with unplanned pregnancies. Huge supporter of Kathy's Place, which exists to love on kids in one of the poorest areas in our town. We've been a huge supporter of the Robinson Foundation, which exists to help kids with parents in prison. We've developed a program to help some guys in jail through the Christmas season. They visit with their families downstairs, supervised in our gym. Responses have been incredible. We supply car seats to those who can't afford it at the hospital so they can bring their babies home legally. You guys like that kind of stuff? You glad we do it? You consider that money well spent? Why? Did you know that if there is no God, you could make a case logically that doing that kind of stuff is dumb as a brick? And I know most of those who don't believe in God are going to push back because they kind of like that stuff too. Why? Why do you like that kind of stuff? See, I think because God planted that kind of stuff in their hearts. So even those who push God away, they still feel some of what he feels. I'll show you, I hope. You see, I think that the compassion that we feel is a powerful evidence for the existence of God. It's a powerful evidence for the existence of an eternal, transcendent, omnipotent, omniscient, perfectly holy, perfectly just, yet stunningly loving God that God revealed to us in through Jesus. I'm going to try to show you. I was playing around a little bit last week trying to figure out how valuable you are. How valuable are you in a bunch of different ways. Did you know that chemically you're not worth much? I found estimates ranging anywhere from about five bucks to about two hundred dollars. You're worth a, I'm probably going to be worth a little more than that, right? <laughs> In other words, if I went on Amazon, eBay, or wherever I could buy the chemicals, I could probably purchase the chemicals that make you for a couple hundred bucks or less. Back in 1924, Dr. Charles Mayo, he's one of the guys who founded the Mayo Clinic, right? He estimated your chemical value at about 84 cents. Inflation, right? According to the Davidson Institute of Science Education, you are now worth a little under 200 bucks, probably. 
Some of us a little more, some of you guys quite a bit less. See, there are about 118 elements in the periodic table at present. It takes over half of them to make you, although most of them are just microscopic amounts. According to Wikipedia, your body mass is about 65% oxygen, 18.5% carbon, 10% hydrogen, 3% nitrogen, 1.5% calcium, and about 1% phosphorus, which I thought was cool, and trace amounts of about 60 more elements. Only a couple of those elements are worth much. You've got a quarter pound of potassium in you. It's worth about $140. About $50 or so of calcium. The rest of it, just a few pennies. So altogether, you're not worth much chemically. 200 bucks or so. I'm a little bigger, so I'm worth a little more. Plus, I've got gold teeth, right? <laughs> There's an old poem that talks about what you're worth. It's called The Making of a Man. Here it is. Iron enough to make a nail, lime enough to paint a wall, water enough to drown a dog, and there's a few dogs that I'm thinking of, sulfur enough to stop the fleas, potash enough to wash a shirt, gold enough to buy a bean, silver enough to coat a pen, lead enough to ballast a bird, and phosphor enough to light a town, poison enough to kill a cow, some of us a whole herd. Maybe. But that just isn't enough, it says, to make you a man. A man has strength enough to build a home, time enough to hold a child, and love enough to break a heart. Isn't that cool? That's just sweet. On the other hand, if I could sell your body parts, I could make some money. Not just the chemicals, but if I could sell your body parts, you're worth quite a bit. According to farmexec.com, your market value, if you're healthy, is about $45 million dollars. Your lungs, worth about 48 or 58,000 each. Your heart, another 57,000. Your kidneys, about 90,000. Apparently, that depends on who you are and where you live. Your liver, about 54 grand. But your liver produces this protein called transferrin and produces about $400,000 worth. Your DNA, I guess, is worth about $9 million to someone. I don't know what they do with it, but your bone marrow, another 23 million. And altogether, they put the market value at about $45,618,575.82. Of course, you know, guys as old as Vern, probably about half that. <laughs> Depreciation. So I guess you are worth something dead. But did you know that our government calculates a monetary value for you alive? And different departments assign you a different value. According to the New York Times, the EPA puts your value at about 7.4 mil. Consumer Product Safety Commission puts it at about 8.7 million. Transportation, about 9.6. The rule of thumb, I guess, according to the New York Times, is about $10 million. So they calculate if masks and vaccines can save about a million lives, it'll save the country about $10 trillion. Do you know they use formulas like that when formulating laws? So how much are you worth? Can you put a number on it? Would you sell a wife, a husband, a kid, a friend for $10 million? 
Don't answer that. Because if it's teenagers, a lot of you guys are going to jump. Some of you guys take a lot less because you're dorks. But seriously, what's your life worth? What's the life of someone in your family worth? The life of a friend? What's the life of an enemy worth? What's it worth to you? And if there's a God, and if he is the God revealed to us in and through Jesus, what's a human life worth to God? And should that matter to you? And here's another question. Is the life of any one of those in this room worth more to you than the life of your dog or your cat? Some of you guys are thinking about it. Shame on you. For about 30 years, they've been asking this question of high school and college kids. If you had to make a choice, would you save the life of a stranger or the save the life of your dog? About two-thirds of them don't pick the stranger. They either vote for the dog or they're not sure. You save your dog or do you save a stranger? Some of you guys are like, well, it depends on the dog, right? And more and more adults are agreeing with these kids because more and more people don't see any difference between the value of a dog and a human. They're both just animals, right? In fact, Ingrid Newkirk, one of the founders of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals put it like this. She says, there is no rational reason for saying that a human being has any special rights. A rat is a pig, is a dog, is a boy. They're all animals. A rat is a pig, is a dog, is a boy. You buy that? And if there really is a God, the God revealed to us in and through Jesus, would he buy that? And does that matter to you? Now, most people do have a sense that every person has some kind of value, even the broken. I mean, even our government has that sense. Nearly 10% of our budget is directed for a safety net for those people who are struggling. Medicaid, disability programs, tax credits, nutrition pro programs for kids and moms, college grants, job training. And those who don't believe in God are just as passionate about that stuff as we who do. Why is that? Why do they care? Why would they care? Nature doesn't plant that compassion inside of you. Science doesn't tell you to feed the hungry, to care for the widows and orphans. In fact, it would almost seem like our passion for the broken is a violation of natural law, right? Laws like survival of the fittest, natural selection. Nietzsche, one of the most famous, smartest of the atheists, he understood that. He said, if there is no God, you're just animals. It's who you are. In fact, he challenged his atheist friends. He says, if you're going to give up the Christian God, at least be consistent, guys. You also need to give up on things like pity and compassion and the sense that human beings have any real value. One of the most prominent philosophers of the 20th century, a guy named Mortimer Adler, before he became a Christian, this is important, before he became a Christian, this is what he wrote. He said, there is no logical reason to treat mankind differently from any other animal. Therefore, to exploit minorities or exterminate the homeless 
could not be condemned any more than killing steers in a slaughterhouse. <laughs> if there's no God, is he wrong? B.F. Skinner, one of the more influential Harvard psychologists of the last century, called us machines. You are simply products of nature. All you do is respond mechanically to whatever comes your way. I suppose you're worth no more than the chemicals you're composed of. Dr. Rodney Brooks, MIT. He says, a human being is nothing but a machine or a big bag of skin full of biomolecules bio interacting by the laws of physics and chemistry. Well, how do you go from there? How do you get from godless nature to the compassion that every single one of you feels, I hope, for the weak, the marginal, the broken, the lonely, and the poor? You didn't get that from nature, guys. If we are just highly evolved animals, why not? Natural selection and survival of the fittest. Our compassion works against those laws, doesn't it? Guys, it's a fingerprint of God. Without God, I suppose the strongest should survive and the weakest should die. Viktor Frankl was a neurologist, psychiatrist, philosopher, Holocaust survivor, wrote a powerful little book called Man's Search for Meaning. It's worth the read, guys. It's based on his experiences in a Nazi concentration camp. He says, if we present man with a concept of man that is not true, we'll probably corrupt him. When we present man as an automaton of reflexes, a mind machine, a bundle of instincts, a pawn of drives and reactions, a mere product of instinct, hereditary, heredity, and environment. He says, we feed the nihilism, the idea that life is meaningless, that values are baseless, we feed the nihilism to which modern man is prone. We are. He says, the gas chambers of Auschwitz were the ultimate consequence of the theory that man is nothing more than an animal, the product of heredity and environment, or as the Nazi liked to say, of blood and soil. And then he says this, he says, I'm absolutely convinced that the gas chambers of Auschwitz and Treblinka were ultimately prepared not in some ministry or other in Berlin, but at the desks and lecture halls of nihilistic philosophers and scientists, who, by the way, are still teaching in our colleges and universities. Paragraph two of our Declaration of Independence, it opens with these words, you know them. We hold these truths, next slide if we could. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Self-evident? Are those self-evident to you? I hope so, but nature didn't make them so. God did. I'll try to show you. I'll try to show you how. Genesis chapter 1, first chapter of our Bible. First chapter of that book, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let's make human beings in our image. Let's make this one special, in our image. To be like us, God says. 
They're going to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings. He created you. He created us in his own image. In the image of God, he created us, male and female. He created us. We are the only creatures of this earth who bear God's image. Rats don't, pigs don't, dogs don't, boys do. I know a a lot of us are pretty good at hiding the image of God in us, but it's still there, which means you are the most human. You are the most fully human when you are the most godly the most God-like. Have you ever heard people say something stupid like, I'm only human, when they screw up? Listen, guys, you are the most fully human when you are the most godly, the most God-like. You were created in the image of God. You are most fully you when you are in the image of God. But it goes deeper than that, way deeper. Apostle John absolutely blows his mind. He says, what amazing love this Father has extended to us. Look at it, he says. We are actually called children of God. God calls us kids. That's who we really are, he says. That's what you were created to be. Kids are precious, guys. My kids are infinitely precious to me. What value do you place on your kids and your grandkids? And did you know that that's not a fraction of their value and your value to God. And the Apostle Paul understands that you're not going to get that easily. It's a tough sell. So he says, God's Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we really are God's kids. Message puts it like this. It says, God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is. We know who we are. Father and kids. Listen, guys, how precious is a flawed kid to a perfect dad? You see, however you read the creation story in Genesis, and Christians read it different ways, this is crystal clear. You are way more than an animal to God. You are not just a rat, a pig, or a dog to God. And you are way more than an animal to anyone who is smart enough to look at the world through God's eyes. We're different. I like to call us hybrids. We stand with one foot in this physical world and the other foot in the spiritual world. The wisest man in the world told us one time that God has placed eternity in the human heart, the human heart. You sense that this physical world is not all there is. You can sense that you were made for more than this. You were given the ability to do life with God, for God, God's way, in a way that no other creature on this world, on this earth, can. So, according to Genesis, God creates the stars, calls them good. Creates a world with its oceans and its dry land, and he calls it good. Creates plants and trees and fills this world with birds and fish and bugs and mammals. He calls it all good. And then the whole creation story slows down in Genesis. Instead of just calling it into existence like the rest, God says, let us. He ponders, let us make this one different. Let's make this one in our image. Let's 
give this one our own nature. Let's give this one oversight over the rest of the creatures that we've made. So God creates human beings. He created them God-like. Not gods, but God-like, reflecting his own nature. He creates us male and female. And this time, instead of just looking and saying it's good, he says it's very, very good. Which is what he sees when he looks at you. And they got it. Those who believed in God got it. And those of us who believe in the God revealed us to us through Jesus, we still get it. In the image of God. It's not that we're many gods. And it's not like we look like God physically. God doesn't need a body like we do. He doesn't interact physically with the world like we do. He doesn't have arms and legs and hands and feet and a mouth and a nose and eyes like we do. He's not male or female like we are. This image of God is different. We are the creatures who have a spirit as well as a body created to do life with God. We're the creatures who can actually choose right and wrong. We don't just act by our instincts. We're the creatures given the ability and the mandate to manage the rest of God's creation on this earth. We are the creatures given the way, a special way to love, to enjoy beauty, to wonder, to reason, to ponder, to imagine, to create. Special, extraordinary, singularly valuable to our God. That's who you are. You buy that? We miss it. We mess it up. Sometimes the image of God in us is so hard to see. <clears throat> Sometimes we act like mere animals. Sometimes we treat others like they are mere animals. They're not. We're not. And whether you admit it yet or not, there is a God, and He's left all of these fingerprints. Despite all the conclusions that you should draw from nature, you sense it. People are different, people are precious. That notion that a rat is a pig, is a dog, is a boy, is almost blasphemous and absurd. But if you admit that there is a God, an eternal, transcendent, omnipotent, omniscient, perfectly holy, perfectly just, yet stunningly loving God, the God revealed to us in and through Jesus, now you understand why we're different, don't you? We're in his image. Which is why through history, we Jesus followers have led the way, elevating the weak, the marginal, and the broken. And if you know your history, you know it's so. Whole idea of human rights, the idea that some human rights are self-evident and unalienable, like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, those ideas were planted in you by God. We're the ones who've elevated the value and the dignity and the freedom and the rights of women. We Christians blaze that trail. We are the ones who first built the hospitals and pioneered nursing and figured out how to care for those who are mentally and physically disabled. We are the ones who built the first universities. We are the ones who finally figured out, took us a while, we finally figured out that slavery was an offense against God and man. Jesus tells us to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, care for the sick, visit those in prison. It's all over the Bible. 
Take care of the widows, the fatherless kids, those who are poor, especially those who are that way through no fault of their own. So we try. We try hard because we believe in an amazing God. So we have these generous buckets and we collect food for the food pantry and supplies for kids in our schools and we support organizations like Avenues for Women and Kathy's Place and the Robinson Foundation and we look for ways to elevate guys who are in jail and send car seats to families with a new baby in the hospital. We collected $100,000 to defray $10 million worth of medical debt for people across central Kentucky. We sent teams to Texas after the last hurricane to western Kentucky after the tornadoes last year. That's why we believe every one of our kids is precious and every one of you is precious to God and to us. And there are those who will tell you that you are just an animal, maybe just a bit more evolved than other animals, but you're really just an animal, no better, no more entitled. That's nonsense. God says you're different. Of all of the creatures of this earth, you are the ones created to interact with your creator. Of all of the creatures of this earth, you are the ones who have experienced the spiritual world. You have felt God's presence and his nudges. You've also sensed nudges from the spiritual world's other team, haven't you? We have to make a choice. And we get to make a choice. God created you. He created us to do life with him, which equates to the abundant life that you were created for, both now and for forever. And he wants that relationship with you so deeply that he sent his son to rub shoulders with us, to tell us how much God wants us, to die to make that possible, And every week we celebrate that story, right? Every week. We gather here to give him the honor that he deserves, to remember what he did for us, and to give him thanks. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about every week, guys. Lord's Supper is our recognition that we serve an amazing God who loves us that much. And if you're a Jesus follower... You're welcome to the table. In a minute, we're going to sing a song. During that song, I'm going to invite you to come up to these tables. You can take a little piece of bread, which represents his body broken for you, so you would be in relationship with our Father. You pick up a little cup, which it's going to contain some juice, which represents the blood. It's an odd symbolism. But we're going to share in the body and the blood of Christ to, rem to remember what he did to make this whole thing possible. I'd like you to get the elements, take them back to your seats. Don't take them yet. We're going to take this thing together this morning after this song is over, okay? If you're not a Jesus follower, I'm going to sit down here. You've also got a room back there. It says prayer room. There's an elder back there praying for you right now. And if you want to talk to someone, if you want to pray with somebody, perhaps you just need some prayer. Maybe you need to pray about making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Go there. Come down here. Let's talk. Let's get that done. Maybe you just need a church home. Some of you guys are just drifting. You need a home, a spiritual home. If you want Capital City to be your home, come on down and let's talk about that kind of thing. Let's pray together. Father, for Jesus, we're grateful. And he came to show us how precious that we are to you 
that he would actually die in our place to make that relationship with you possible. Now let us give you the thanks and the honor that you deserve. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You're welcome. Come to the tables and take it back to your seats, please. How I long to breathe the air of heaven Pain is gold and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled the Savior And won him for all eternity
It's almost unfathomable that a creator, eternal, transcendent God would care for critters as insignificant and broken as we are. So he had to show us. What more proof would you want? The night before Jesus was crucified, he met with his disciples. He took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he gave pieces of bread to them. And he says, guys, this is my body which is broken for you. And he tells us to eat the bread and to remember not only how valuable you are, but how far God went to restore us to his family. To give him thanks and share the bread together. And he took a cup passed it around. He said, guys, this is my blood. I'm shedding it for you to make possible this relationship with God, with God that he wants so deeply with you. And then he told us Jesus followers to do this as a, a memorial to remind ourselves who we are and how precious we are to God and to give him thanks. If you're a Jesus follower, let's drink this and give him thanks. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful. Your amazing love is stunning. And I pray that we will give you back our lives. And that's not a sacrifice. It opens the door to the life that we were created for, both now and forever. Thank you again. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Treasures then fail.
want you to believe those words. I know. You might have sung it 14 billion times. I don't care. When we get in front of God, we want to be able to say these words. You're the only one that can do anything in my life. The only one that's going to give me worth. I want to be able to say it loud, right? As we sing these words. see all of you out here. Isn't it awesome to come together as a family and worship God like that and know that he's the only one who can? Woo! Yeah! It's awesome. Folks, you know, we're made up of a great family in here. Man, we've got bankers, lawyers. We've got Indian chiefs, I think. And we've got um, all kinds of people. Carpenters, landscapers. Uh, we've got doctors and lawyers, like I said before. And folks, you know, we, we've all come together for one common cause. And that's to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's awesome. And, you know, as our family continues to grow and all this good thing, things got to change. And, and it's hard to remember people's names, isn't it? You know, as uh, Doc uh, so aptly put it, I'm the depreciation model. And uh, so, uh, and I depreciate. When I depreciate, then I also depreciate uh, memory. Who are you again? And uh, so, yeah, that's the problem. When it depreciate the memory, uh, that's the reason why we wear name tags is for me. You do that for me. And I thank you so much for that. But let me show you some other good uses for name tags, okay? The number one thing to use for a name tag is to make a ball out of it. They do that down in children's. So they've got one down there about that size. You can see it up here on the screen as well. Uh, number two, and you have my permission to do this. If you'll probably notice, that's John's back, all right? Uh, you have my permission to take this tag and just pat him on the back. And let's see how many tags we can put on John's back. And the one that I don't like is the one that they wear down here. Why? Because I don't want to talk to your pants pocket. I want to talk to your face. And I'll get a little serious, guys, about that. Name tags are neat. Because you know what? This morning, I, I had the privilege of meeting a family that hadn't been here for a while. And they didn't know his name. And him and his wife and their children didn't know their names until they put the name tags on. And now I get to see it's Andrew. See, that's the old guy. I didn't know. But at least I can call him by name now. 
put a face and a name together. So that's important. I know that sometimes it's a drudgery to come in and sometimes they don't print out right and all that kind of good stuff, but please do that. Man, it shows self-worth. It shows value to other people that they can come up and call you by the name and put that face and that name together. So please use that name tag, all righty? It's value. And I'll tell you something else, that, that you're valuable to Cap City. This morning we're kicking off two new classes this morning, two new groups. We're kicking off a ladies group uh, that you want to find out, women, how valuable you are to God at 11 o'clock in room 303. Please gather there. There'll be like a five to six week series on what the women saw and how important women are to our great creator. And guys, we haven't left you out either. Room 302 right across the hall is to be a godly man. And that is another five to six week series to show you the value that God has given you to be a godly man. So please come up to those things if you would. It's, it's a great way uh, to get to know other people and, in, and share your life with somebody else. And last and not least, I want to share with you uh, and uh, some other things here. But if you may have noticed this little thing bouncing around last week, if you watched the Super Bowl, this is so awesome to me. I saw this thing going around. First thing I thought of was Pac-Man. That's how old I am. And uh, then the next thing was looking at it, I thought, wow, that's weird. And I done reading some articles on this. You know, they spent somewhere in the neighborhood of $7 million to put that on the screen. And did you also know that it's put out by a Bitcoin company? And this, <laughs> here's the great part. Here's a Bitcoin company that deals with all this stuff. And they had so many people hit the app that it crashed. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor today. I'm going to share with you about Right Now Media. And on the chair there close to you, there should be a card. It looks something like this. Okay? And there is a QR code on that card. And if you have not signed up for Right Now Media, I want you to take this out, scan that. And my battery is good. I've checked it this morning. The, uh, if you would, please, check this. Okay? Go ahead and scan in the QR code and sign up. It'll take you directly to Cap City's page. You don't have to get an invitation from anybody else. Just go ahead and do that. Well, I don't scan much. I'm not comfortable with that. You can text. If you can text, go to just text to Cap City 49775. Okay? And you can go right to the same page and it'll get you there. This is so important to this church. This is so important to me. This is so important to show you how valuable you are. We set it up this week with Right Now Media for anyone that we have your information in our database and we have your correct email in our database and you have not signed up for Right Now Media, you will receive an invitation you did already at 10 o'clock this morning. They released them. That's how important this is to me, how important it is to our church that you're valuable. And I'll show you how much, how you can spread this value around as well. You take this card with you and you nudge somebody with it. I didn't mean hit them, I said just nudge them. And how do you nudge them? You go and let them scan this QR code. I don't care if it's the neighbor you don't like, okay? Go let them scan this card. Let them text that number. It's on us. There's no fee involved. Spread the good news. It's a great, give it to your kids, give it to your grandkids. Because I know there's a little girl sitting right down here. She likes to watch the Bible stuff. 
She didn't know it was out there until her mom signed up for the app. It's good stuff. And teach the values and how people are valued. We value one another. It's a great thing to do. Don't pass this up, please. And if you have trouble signing on, uh, contact me here at the office, either through email, it's on our website, or call the church. I'll help you walk through this. Share it, read it, use it. It's good stuff. Okay, perk up your ears. I got one more announcement, and you're going, oh, good, he's done. And you're right, I am. Go be the church. Have a great one. God bless, and we hope to see you next week. See ya.